Welcome to Art Everywhere. Tonight, my guest is Cerveza Landia's Dan Savala. Yes, AKA Double Down Dan. Yes, sir. What's up, bro? What's up? You got a bunch of Instagram handles, bro. I do. I got a couple right now. Yeah, yeah. You're doing good things, man. So I I, I brought you on here because, well, you you got a good rep. Honestly, you you got a good rep, especially in the Del Paso neighborhood. You know, you're, you're, you're a man about town. And you're and you're doing cool shit. Thank you. And and people notice and people appreciate it. Um, but I also appreciate a good beer, <laughs> especially beers that. Um, well, well, tell me about Teresa Landia. Like, tell everybody about it. Where um, you have your locations and all that stuff, and what what inspired all this? Yeah. So Cerveza Landia is constantly changing, but at its at its core is I wanted to come up with the West. How do I recognize Chicano and Latino brewers here in California? I was traveling um, through Mexico a couple of years ago, and I went to a couple of breweries, and I went to a couple of bars, and I said, damn, like, these fools are really brewing beer, like real, like hardcore chelas, like the, the piloncillos they were using, they were using Mexican spices, and I was like, that's dope. I've never seen anything like that. It just never clicked to me that... In parts of Mexico, you do the same thing that we're doing here in the United States, like the hipster kind of beer vibe. And in Mexico City, had the same thing. And that stuck with me. Then I was in another city called Querétaro, and I went to this badass brewery, and there were just these dope dudes be, um, doing beer, making tacos. And it was, I thought, man, how do I how do I find something like that here in Sacramento? So times go by, I'm looking around, and I couldn't, I couldn't find it. And then I just started doing some research. Like, man, are there any Chicano brewers in Sacramento? And there's none. And we have uh, John and Naya in, in Sacramento, who's um, the main brewer at King Kong Brewery. So I built a bond and a relationship with him and talked to some other dudes and went down south and just did some research and tried to find a way to, how do I find Chicano beer, right? How, and then the second part is, how do I help them bring their beer to a market? Because a whole separate story is my relationship with store owners and small business people throughout Sacramento, the particularly um, convenience store owners and being able to say, Hey, buy a couple cases of this guy's beer and put it in your store and we'll try to sell it. It's not that easy, but that's, yeah. that's just the premise. It's like, man, I wanted to find a way to highlight um, the work of Chicano brewers and bring their beer to market quicker. That's so cool. So what'd you do? You just uh, a blind Instagram like, yeah. DM? That's how it started, yeah. And like I say, Googling, I started I started the Instagram page, Cerveza Landia, um, just as a, a, like, a, like a hobby, like, fuck, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to put something out there. And I started Googling, um, started looking for hashtags and medical. I met a really cool dude out of Norwalk called Ray Rivera, Ray Ricky Rivera. He is a trailblazer in, in Southern California. He has the Bitty Bitty Bomb Blonde that just came out. I almost Loteria. bought that one. And what, what, uh, what are we drinking tonight? We're- this is the Los Barbones, another homeboy, Alfredo, out of um, Southern California. This is Botas Blancas. I think this is the second iteration of Botas Blancas. But he also has some amazing beers that they're doing in SoCal. And So the guy in Norwalk. Norwalk, yeah. Norwalk, Norwalk Brewery. It's not a brewery, but he's a, like a, a wholesaler that does some contract brewing. And so he... Has a warehouse. He makes the beer, contracts it out, stores it, and he ships it. Much like I think that's a trend you're seeing uh, all over the United States right now. So it's neat. So how do we take your beer and bring it to Sacramento? So as a wholesaler, he can wholesale to anyone he wants. So I went down and picked it up. <laughs> so yeah, so I picked it up. I met another cool dude out of San Diego, Esteca Brewing. So oh, that's yeah, um, yeah. Xavier X Man. 
uh, Fred Sotelo, their group, they started uh, Azteca Lager. They have Azteca Amber, and they also have the Azteca Hoppy Lager. Almost bought that one. Yeah, just some dope cans, good beer. And I just thought, wow, like, that that's dope. Like, how do I how do I bring that to Sacramento? And I just started bringing those couple of beers. And before I know it, I think I've got a total of 12 beers that I've brought in from as far as, let's see, Oregon. Yeah, Oregon and mostly California. And I brought them here to Sacramento. And there's about nine beers exclusively that you can't get anywhere else in North, Northern California, but Cervecelandia. Well, Sacramento's kind of known for having good beer. Yeah, we're a beer town. We're a beer yeah. city. Yeah, we're we're beer city. Yeah, it's like on the beer map. Yeah, we. I mean, J. E. Pino was one of the, a big guy, a big uh, inspiration of mine over the years. Him and the Roostaller brand, and the Roostaller beer, and yeah, the yeah. story about um, Captain Roostaller and the beer, and and. I think that's when I heard years ago is because of the refrigerated rail collar line here in Sacramento, the amount of German immigrants who lived here and hops growing at, at it did at the time was the perfect recipe for brewers here in Sacramento. And so at some time, I think the figure is there was more beer produced here in Sacramento uh, than there was in what is today, what, the Anheuser-Busch territory and um, where's, where's Anheuser-Busch at? Missouri, St. Louis, Louis, Missouri. Yeah, so more beer here than there is today being produced there. So, well, when you when you put it like that, the hops, and I mean, this is the rice capital of the world. Yeah, you know, so if you're if you're making, you know, if if rice is one of your main ingredients, and you know, was it uh, Pilsners? Pilsners, and the and the car system, refrigerated rail car system is is Sacramento is the birthplace of the refrigerated rail car system right there at the old rail yard. So this is where moving coal product to the Pacific Northwest started here. So a lot of sack in my history. <laughs> nice, dude. So, yeah. Well, you know, it doesn't surprise me that you know that kind of stuff. Yeah. Just listening, like listening, peeping game from people and, and understanding kind of like, I know, I, I don't, I know very little about beer just first and foremost. Like I'm a fan. Like I saw some cool work being done and I'm like, how can I get in and help out? Cause I mean, I think that's where the place I always try to start is how can I help out? Cause I haven't made any money <laughs> doing this yet. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't figured out a way how to really monetize this in a way that where it's there's a real value on it, but it's a passion. It's something that no one else is doing right now in this space, and so I'm just kind of continuing to evolve with it. And well, there's, there's it cultural happen. value to it, though. Yeah, like that's like that's what caught my eye. Yeah, you know, I'm like, look at look at this. You because you got the the mural up on the the Freeport one. Yeah. And that's what caught my eye. I was like, oh, because there used to be like some donuts and some yeah. other stuff on the side. And then one day I passed by and it's like, Cerveza Alandia. I was like, I'm stopping in. Yeah, yeah. Raul Mejia did that one. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, looks like, it looks like Raul's work. <laughs> yeah. Raul Mejia did. I tapped him. and said, I, so I tapped him because he's real creative. I've known Raul for a long time. And I said, man, how can I capture like an image that people are going to drive by and see? Oh, man, I'm going to pull over and look at that. And so I tapped Raul. Him and I like talked about it. He totally understood the mission of what I was trying to accomplish and I think that was his first, like, send back to me, like, hey, what is about this? And I said, go for it. And he knocked it out, like, within a day. Yeah, because it's not like, it's not like a traditional, like, uh, like barrio-style yeah. mural. You know what I mean? It's it's something that kind of bridges the gap, something that's yeah. inviting to yeah. outsiders. Like, so the, yeah. Because so everybody knows what cerveza is. Like, everybody yeah. knows what that is. Yeah. And Landia kind of just... Well, beer land? Beer land, yeah. Like it's yeah. it's easy for people to like put that together, like, oh, it's beer land, huh? 
I can just go in there and check shit out. And, yeah. and, well, and, hopefully the trademark people don't read too much into that because that's the only thing standing away of the trademark that I filed was the beer land. There's a there's a there's another company out there. They do a, they do a beer land um, TV show for Vice for the Vice Network. So they have a trademark out for beer land. And yeah, but so Cervezalandia is something totally that's different. What I'm, that's what I'm trying to tell them. So I'm going through that process. So hopefully, that, hell yeah, bro, yeah, yeah. hell yeah. So yeah, yeah, so the we're we're trying to figure out how how I continue to grow this. What what we do next? We just had um, a Chicano a pop up beer garden, which made a little bit of money. It made some buzz and it promoted the store. We had about a few hundred people there that showed up for a live band and a DJ set full of all Selena jams. We had some oldies playing, and it was just a cool like a backyard boogie. And we featured. All Mexican beers, all beers brewed by Chicano brewers, and we just kicked it. That's and we can do that any we can do that anywhere, anywhere, any day of the week. We can do it here in Sacramento. We can do it in Southern California. It's just about, I guess, strengthening that brand and going city to city and finding out where these great beers are and how we can bring people to an event like Cerveza Landia and just kick it, bro. Because it's like it's one of those ideas that like why didn't I think of that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. Yeah. A, a friend of mine a long time ago told me the best art is it makes you go, why didn't I think of that? You know, and, and this is kind of a, a no brainer, you know what I mean? Cause there's, there's like people who are getting back in touch with their Mexican roots. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're, they're third or sometimes fourth generation up here. Yeah. Right. But they they want something and they're and they're beer heads you know they're you know hipsters whatever yeah. but when there's something they can bring them back in while also inviting outsiders in yeah like because if it's a good beer dude who cares what you know what what's it botas blancas yeah, yeah. bro you know what I mean <laughs> yeah brother I'll drink botas it. blancas you I'll know drink it. that that kind of stuff and it's just a really good idea dude and I thought it was I thought it was awesome. Yeah, it's, it's, we're going to chug away. I got a couple ideas. I got a couple of dates I'm planning for another Cervezalandia event. I have another location I'm opening up in Arbuckle, hoping to be live this Friday or Saturday um, and see how it goes, see if I can increase the sales at these stores. Because that's what, that's my, the product that I'm offering, right? And as we have an opportunity to feature Latino brewers, um, the Instagram has really allowed me to build an audience. I think that's important for people to understand too, from a business standpoint and like, what can we do? And the value of a cell phone and the, and the value of social media at the scale of you have the, the economy right here in your smartphone. Whereas five, 10 years ago, how do you compete with someone like Modelo? Well, we're not going to compete with Modelo, at least not right, right now. We still sell the shit out of Modelo. I love, I, I love Modelo. I'll still drink it. Yeah. We just moved like 25 cases of their sandia when it first came out. And so it sells. People like it. But the plan's not to necessarily compete with them. It's just to have an audience that says, hey, there are other beers out there that you can try. Case in point, we just today released, uh, we got 30 cases of, which is 60, 12 packs of the Jaritos, los, the Cantaritos, the, the variety packs. They're, Those, like, they're yeah. like hard Jaritos. Yeah, they just hit Sacramento today. Nice, and I dude. got 30 yeah, cases I saw that on your of them. Yeah. And people been DMing, people been talking about it, and we've been following them where they're going. And <laughs> we we got them, and they're going to sell quicker at our store than any other store because our audience is watching, and our audience is keeping an eye on what's happening. Same thing with the, the tall cans of the Cantaritos. We moved 25 cases in two days, 
at one store. And that's simply because through our audience, we've told them, hey, we have this, go get it. So absent of the audience, you know, no one's watching or no one's paying attention. And it doesn't matter what beer we have or what cool product we have. If nobody's paying attention for not bringing people to it, we won't be as successful. So as the audience grows and our influence grows is through social media, well, I think we'll have a little more um, more influence on what people are drinking and what styles of beers they'll try. Most recently, we had, uh, did you guys see that can that came out from Santa Ana called, um, what was the name of it? It had Mikola Velka on the, on the cover of it, Blood in Blood Orange. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a Hefeweizen with Piloncillo and Blood Orange. Good beer, a good Hefeweizen, but the can was so dope. Yeah. Like, I brought five cases in. I should have bought ten because it was out in, in a couple of days. It's just people see the can, people see it, they identify with it, and they just scoop it up. Bro, that, that's what that's what I mean. It's like when, when you have a passion for something, yeah. when anybody has a passion for anything, man, it's like somebody else shares that passion. Oh, yeah. They just don't have an outlet for it. And I think as Latino, I, I identify as a Chicano. And, and I can tell you why, just as the way I grew up. I, my, my mom and dad are product of the 60s, lowriders, straight up. Like, you look at pictures of my mom and dad, they had their Pendletons on, they had the white eyeshadow on, they had their <laughs> yeah, hair up. Yeah. And it's just the era that I grew up in, and through high school, learning about the Chicano movement, looking at Chicano art. And so that's how I identify. And so when I think about beer, Botas Blancas, this is probably not market it to Chicanos, right? These are your bandas. These are your paisanos who are going to be at the Baila this Sunday. Yeah. Um, there are other beers. There are pistos that are like, my my tios are going to be drinking around the house or at the barbecue. So we also, have, I, I wouldn't call it a challenge, but we have to recognize that even some of the beers, the markets that they're going after within our Latino Chicano communities are, are diverse too. Yeah, it's not yeah. a it's not a one note. No. No. Song. Yeah, it's like everything. It's like everything we do in our community. It's all different. They always try to put us in a box and say, "Oh, Mexicans love this stuff, right?" Well, no. We, what kind of Mexicans are you talking about? Yeah, what you kind of first Mexican? generation, second generation? You got, you know, blended family. So it's a lot. So I've tried to adapt to that a little bit, and you can see. I hope you can tell through some of the music that I play, some of the selections, some of the beers that I bring in. That I'm trying to appeal the brand to all the Chicanos in Sacramento, all my paisanos in Sacramento. And people who just love beer in general, who love the community. Because that's, I think, first and foremost, what I've noticed across all beer producers is there's a sense of community. Whether you're white, whether you're black, when you're brewing beer together, when you're drinking beer together, there's this really neat thing that happens, right? And people just create a sense of community as a bond. And so I like that. Now, I try to talk about that. I try to bring that to Sacramento in some in some respects when we're going to do an event like Cervecelandia. Because when we did it, it was... People were thanking me. People were like, man, homie, like I never, you know. We had a homeboy that came all the way from Modesto, him and his family. They came and they kicked it the whole day. And they say they hadn't been in a space like this where they looked around and like Gente was around them. They felt good. They felt safe. And they had their lokes on. And it was all good. Yeah, it's it's weird that Sacramento is, I mean, regardless of what you hear on the news, Sacramento is a pretty safe city, man. And it's pretty chill for the most part. You yes. get some knuckleheads here and yeah, there. It's not for like sure. the 90s. I guess in our in the Chicano community too, it's not like it was in the 90s where I remember it was violent. It was a challenge. Everything was gang, a challenge. Gang violence. And I think all those cats that were stirring up trouble back in the 90s, they're all older now, right? They all got families. They're all like, they're not trying to do none of that. And so you look at the cruising ordinance as a good litmus test to like where we are. And like you ban, you, 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 you allow cruising in Sacramento again, you allow cruising statewide, and you see how our people are reacting. 
Everybody's they're, kicking they're, it. Everyone's kicking it. It's cool. And it's like, I'm, dude, I'm super proud when I see stuff like that. Like, man, hell yeah. Like, come on, people, but don't mess it up. You know? Don't mess it don't up. Don't mess it up, please. <laughs> but I'm starting to see, like, a lot of these cats are older now. They got families. And now it's those sideshow people who are really causing all the trouble. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, those are the car people. Yeah. Those, those That's the, the car group that's That's a new incarnation folks. of car rebellion. <laughs> but so that, through that whole line of, like, okay, now you have an older generation of cats. You know, my uncle's. Um, younger dudes, even like I'm 42 years old, so I'm not that old yet, but we're the same age. So that we're just we're older now, right? We got kids, yeah. and we reflect and what we like and what we do, and yeah, there's no problems. Yeah, so I, I had a I had a really I got pretty high, and I had this thought because like if I get too high, I'll like pour myself a beer, yeah, and just kind of just chill. Like there's something like grounding about that, All right? So I'm like, okay, cool. And I thought about why dudes get drunk together. Why do you think that is? This is this is high me thinking, okay. okay? But I thought that that's the only time dudes are really vulnerable with each other. Yeah. Because you're impaired, right? You get okay. drunk, you're impaired. But if you feel safe, like if you're with your with your boys, you feel safe and you feel like you can be vulnerable with them. Yeah. Whereas women are emotionally vulnerable with each other. Guys are fucking drunk, vulnerable with each other. <laughs> I love you. And, it, and it's yeah, dude. And it's and it's a bonding yeah. thing. Yeah. It, it really is. Like you get drunk with a dude a couple of times. You're like that's my boy, dude. Yeah, we fucking yeah. do it up. You know what I mean? Like so, I, I had that thought, and I'm like, does that make sense now? And I'm I'm so now I'm looking like when I see dudes drinking together, I'm like, okay, is the arm going around his shoulder? Arm going around? His, arms around his shoulder. Yeah, it's that. It's that. Like it's that cultural thing, right? It's that community thing where you you get around. Like we have a brewery in my neighborhood now, King Kong Brewery, that's become like the gathering spot where it's like the de facto like place where we're gonna go do business or we're gonna like chick kick it and chop it up about a thing we're doing or we just want to you know invite someone to the neighborhood for the first time. That's where we're at, and you sit down over a pint, you talk, and people loosen up, and you become. You become closer, even compas. Yeah, yeah. Colleagues I've worked with in a professional, like, hey, you, once once they let their hair down, their suit, their their jacket gets unbuttoned a little bit, and it's all over a beer. But it, you're right. It's a it's like a it's a form of reprieve. It's a getaway for some people. You know, my my uh, stepdad he used to come home you know every day after work and hardworking man and get a kawama and just sit in the back and just that was his little time, man, where he just kicked it. He was he was never a drunk. He worked every day, hardworking dude. But that's was his thing. He had his kawama and his little lottery ticket after his day. He, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. what he did. Just kind of chill out. Yeah. And so when I think about Cerveza Landia and like who I'm like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure every kawama we have, I'm going to get the Carta Blancas, I'm going to get the Vickies, I'm going to get all the big boys. They're going to be here and they're going to be cold because they're for people. Like yeah, bro. I haven't seen a Carta Blanca since I was a kid. Yeah, we have. And, and I went to Cerveza Landia yeah. the last time when I, when I hit you up yeah. to be on the podcast. I went that day. And uh, I saw the Carta Blanca and I was like, oh, that's <laughs> yeah. the hater, dude. Because like all my, so all my family photos, like, like from before I was born, like before the 80s, all the pictures, all the OGs, all the, all the family that's not even here anymore. Yeah. They're, they're all drink Carta Blancas. Like that was the jam. And then at some point it like s- switched to like Coors and Budweiser, yeah. you know, just kind of lost traction yeah so that's intentional i went out and i tried to find the indio i still can't get that here in sacramento i got the bararitos finally i was able to pick those up i got about 20 cases of those are limited we're probably not going to get them for a couple more months once they sell out but intentionally trying to go and find those beers that are nostalgic to folks from mexico 
that they don't really sell a lot here in the United States. Uh, Famosa is one of another one of them. Um, Indio, like I said, Indio, I can't get, but Carta Blanca and the Mon, Montejo, I think it's how it's, how it's pronounced. Yeah, so um, do you do you import it? Do you have to import it? Or I have you, to find an importer. You have to find yeah. an importer. So yeah. so the, the beer scene in Sacramento has really been screwed up over the last couple of years. And it's partly because of COVID. It's partly because the submerger of some of the larger distribution networks, like uh, Mark Stein, that went out of business completely. And the, um, who was Mark Stein? Like what? what they're historically like Budweiser, Modelo. They they are the big dog here in Sacramento. Where the, most of the beer, they're the big distributor. They're all throughout California, and so they service you know almost almost hundred percent of the stores here in Sacramento. Ninety nine percent of the stores they're getting their beer from Mark Stein. Mark Stein was bought out by a larger company called Golden Brands, but they're out of the Bay Area, Los Angeles. They have a big footprint. And so they all have their own catalogs of beers that they bring, beers from San Diego. So what you have now, though, is with Golden Brands taking a big share and Donaghy kind of taking over, and you have a couple other smaller, like Mindful, a couple smaller distribution or wholesalers here, and they're still keeping it competitive. But what you'll notice in Sacramento is that all the stores carry the same stuff which it's still decent stuff because it all sells and it moves. But us, the consumer, we're kind of getting screwed because now we don't have these these small batch beers that someone's making um, from a brewery in the middle of um, Northern California, someone that's being brought up here. So you have to kind of curate. You have to go through. If you want to offer quality craft beer in your store, that it's like a part-time job, just curating the beer, building a relationship with the small wholesaler distributor, or the brewer himself. So if they have a salesperson, you have to bring that in. So it's tough. It's tough. The, the, the industry right now is in the middle of um, some shaky times. We're still drinking, but <laughs> if you're a small brewer, getting your beer on the shelf somewhere, it takes a lot work. It's a lot harder than it was. Well, it's always been hard, I guess, right? So it's just getting a little harder now because there's the big dogs are there. Yeah, they want the market share. Yeah, and so... Yeah. And so now is how do I go into without something without a vehicle like Cerveza Landia, how does one say, hey, put my barbona that you've never heard of from Southern California in your store? It'll never sell. People will walk right past it and won't know what it is. Cerveza Landia, I think I think I recognize that. And so even some of the beers that I have brought in um, don't they don't fly off the shelf, but at least they're still there. They move slow, but we're still starting that conversation about here's what we offer. And so, well, you may have went in there for the bitty bitty bomb blonde or the loteria that just people just really want, but you didn't see that I had um, this other beer. Um, we just had a beer from South Central LA, the People's Republic of South Central. No one's, you know, no one's ever heard of them. They're deep in South Central. I was down south a couple of weeks ago and I met the owner, Craig, and I said, hey, let me bring some of your beer to Sacramento for sure. I bought like four cases, nowhere near enough, but people loved it. <laughs> People loved it, but we told a story, you know, I talked about it on Instagram, but had I just brought in that beer without an audience, without a conversation, it might've just sat there for a long time because people were just walking right past it. They go for them. People still buy Modelo and, and for the life of me, I don't know what, what Michelob Ultra has on the market right now, but have you, have you not it's noticed like that? Zero, it's have you, like have zero you carbs not, or whatever. Is that what it is? Yeah, every, I think every so. Every picture I see, there's a, some fool with Michelob Ultra. I'm like, what the, what's going on? Like. What is this great beer that? Like, why is everybody I don't know. in there? I, I I don't get it. I've, I've yeah. never. Um, I used to like Michelob's back in the day, yeah. like when I was in yeah. high school. I used to like Michelob's. They're pretty yeah. chill. Okay. But Michelob Ultra, like, dude, if I'm yeah. gonna drink a light beer, I'm just gonna get a fucking 36 pack of Coors Light. 
And if I'm thirsty, I'm going to drink those. Yeah. So now, so now like that, those kind of posts motivate me a little bit when I see the dudes, even Chicanos with Michelob, like, for why you got to make like, what's going on? Like, like, and so that's what I say, like, stop bringing the same chelas to the barbecue, right? Like bring something different. And so if you're, and it's having a, it's having an effect because I've had people call me or people message me like, Hey, like we're having a party this weekend or we're going to do a carne asada. Like I want to like. I want to impress the people, right? What should I bring? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, homie, you got to bring some of this or bring that. And imagine you show up and you got a bunch of beer drinkers in your family or you got homies that are beer drinkers and you bring something that no one's ever seen. Oh, bro, that's that's every time my sister yeah. comes to Sacramento, we we go beer shopping. Yeah. Because she lives in San Jose. Okay. And they have like strikes. Yeah. And they have they have a couple breweries around there, but not like here. She's like, dude, there's breweries everywhere. And, and everywhere makes pretty good beer. Yeah. Like we're kind of spoiled here. Yeah, San Diego. Talk about San Diego. I've been in San Jose. I have a, a really great Michelada mix that flies off the shelf from Gilroy. And it's saturated all over San Jose, that whole area. But we're the only store in Sacramento that carries it. Uh, Red Rose is a premium Michelada mix. And you taste the product. It's phenomenal. The bottle's nice. Their marketing's nice. And we're the only store that carries it. And it flies off the shelf. That's what's up, man. So it's a it's a... It's neat. We'll see what happens next. I think the goal for me next is probably a tap room. I think I'm in the I'm in the mindset where I'm going to continue working on building this audience, continue to bring in beers and try to discover new beers. Um, but ultimately, I think um, we really I think we really need a place where Chicanos can go and have a beer, a place that's designed and built for Chicanos to come listen to some oldies. It's a, to a, it's live a niche band. audience. It's yeah. been yeah. It's not being catered to. And I don't know why not. You know what I mean? Modelo just kind of goes out there and says, oh, the name's yeah, fucking vaguely Spanish. You know what I mean? This should be your beer. But for the like the real beer enthusiast, there's nothing that really is like calling them. No. And then you have like, then you have like a segment of the market. And I don't want to like create, be critical of, of non-Chicano brewers who are brewing, you know, that flavor palette, right? That profile, like your Mexican lager. Or who are trying to, I don't know, I don't even want to say appropriate it, but like they, They're, yeah, I'm, they, I'm happy. I'm, it makes me, I'm more happy that other fools see it, like, oh, see Latino culture and they want to support it in some way. Right? I'd rather take that mindset that if someone's just culturally yeah, appropriating us, that's, but that's the best way. Because every brewer I've met, that's never been their intention. They're all cool people, man. They're all, they all just want to kind of pay homage to, to, to the to homies. Latino. Yeah, like, hey, well, we're going to brew these fools a uh, Mexican lager, you know, and they're going to come and, it's cool, but to some people, you, they may feel like, why? Why do you have Cinco de Mayo crack off like it is, and every bar or September 16 cracks off every year, and every bar has the you know the, the green beer or something or some gimmick, right? And it's always a gimmick, and to a point where it's not a gimmick anymore. This is how how we get down. We've got good beer here in Sacramento. We got good beer here in California. SoCal, I mean, the, the, they have an organization which I encourage folks to look into called SoCal Cerveceros and SoCal Cerveceras. It's a collection of homebrewers. That's like a club. They meet up. And I wish we had something like that here in Sacramento where and cats, men, women, they meet. They, they brew together. They have competitions. And some of them even end up brewing um, big batches of beer and they have small releases. So we had a Last year, I picked up a couple cases of Las Homegirls. That's from a collab beer out of Brujeria in um, Pico Rivera. Wow. Dope little beer. They don't make enough of it to like sell me a bunch and like, break to Sacramento. They just had a Frida Kahlo can release with um, Mi Vida and Bru- um, Brujeria. So 
doing dope stuff, but not 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 brewing enough beer to bring it here to Northern California. So I'm hoping, um, I'm hoping that changes. I'm hoping somebody starts a brewing group out here, a brewing network here, or there's more more collabs. We've had a couple of really good collabs here in Sacramento, but I'm hoping that Chicanos get together here in Sacramento and we brew the official Chicano Lager for Sacramento. Yeah, man. So what the, would that taste like? Good, <laughs> good. It tastes right? like I'm gonna be buying some. Because here's the thing, man. It's like I I like all the ideas. Like I like what could come from these things, yeah. right? Because it just it just expands. I think everybody's going toward unification. Yeah, you know what I mean. So like everything influences everything else. So everything you see. Now, 10 years from now, is going to be incorporated into that somehow, yeah. some way. Yeah. Everything's been, and probably even five years, because that used to be the thing. Like, every 10 years, you would see the new, the new style, the new style of foods, yeah. the new style of animation, the new style of uh, you know, painting, music. Every, 10, every seven years, really. Yeah. Every seven years, there's like a turnover, right? Yeah. And now, it's like it's speeding up with the internet. Yeah. Everything's speeding up and everybody's just like, oh, everybody's just vibing off each other and taking each other's things and kind of making it theirs. Yeah, I think that I think hopefully that'll accelerate the whole IPA or hazy IPA movement here in California where we do a lot of IPAs. We've done I like a good IPA, but we've done a, I feel like we've done a lot of IPAs. We've done a lot of hazies and like what else? There's so many other beers out there that we can be exploring. We had um, Isaac Rocha from Mexico City come a couple months ago and do a collab with um, John and I over at King Kong. They did the um, Cocada King. Have you guys had that? No. Oh, it's the bomb, dude! It was one. It's one of the most refreshing beers I've ever had. It's a Kolsch with lime and Cocada. I don't know what Cocada is, but maybe it's coconut. But it was just man, it has this finish on it that was just so damn good. And it's like, I don't think they're ever going to brew it again. And it's like every can, if they have one left, I want it. And it's just so good. But not not having Isaac come from La Chingoneria in Mexico City and come and do that collab with King Kong, I don't think I would have ever personally said, oh, let me try a Kolsch. Let me see what this is like, what this beer profile is like. Um, John's doing a couple of really neat things. They've got another, um, forget the name of the beer he's coming out with next. But him and Kong and them, they've they've done some pretty cool collabs. They're they're out there. They're trying to they're trying to I wouldn't say directly tap into this market, but they're that creative. They're creative and they're thinking about it. And just opening new ideas. Like they're, oh, opening they're, new ideas. Yeah. Like especially like their community. Like they've had a couple of really great events. They had Dia de los Muertos. They're doing a big Dia de los Muertos event in uh October. They're gonna do an event. We're shutting down Del Paso Boulevard with King Kong Brewery um September sixteenth. For Mexican Independence Day. Oh yeah, he did he did a really good collab with a group of um overlanders called Carnales Overland. So you ever heard of them? No. Pretty dope. It's a car club, but they're for off-road, off-road vehicles, like the big SUVs, the big yeah, those. Oh, shit. yeah. So who'd have nice. thought? So Leo and them, this whole crew, they did a collab, they did two collabs, one called Destino, one called Camino. I believe the Destino's coming out again September 16th for Mexican Independence Day. And that'll be a big release on the boulevard. So it'd be exciting. It's going to be exciting. Hey, but where do you get your passion for community building? Because everything you're telling me about beer is what you're already doing in the Del Paso neighborhood. Like just us, 
without a buzz. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Without a buzz. You're doing yeah. all that over yeah. there. Like, where, where does that come from? I did just career-wise, career goals and career moves. And, like, I've always had a passion. I've always been an advocate, right? And it comes back to first grade, Oak Ridge Elementary School in Oak Park here. Um, I got in trouble for um, standing on the, you know, my, the principal called my mom and said, your son's telling people not to eat the grapes. You know, like, think about that, right? <laughs> it's 1980-something. I'm like, no, yeah, don't yeah. eat the grapes. Don't eat the grapes. They're poisonous because I'm a peeping game always. I'm listening. I'm seeing what's going on. And I've just always been an activist. And as a young kid growing up in, in Sacramento, my mom was single. My dad really wasn't around. And so I'm that, I'm that stereotypical product Chicano kid from Sacramento who by a miracle, by, by coaches, by my time being a, um, an amateur boxer, um, having coaches and mentor programs, just been able to stay focused and do good things. And then you turn your, when you turn after I, after I was done boxing, I went to college, I got a degree in urban planning. And so I just looked at, okay, this discipline of urban planning or community development, how do you transform communities and make them better? I look at them through the lens of the kid who used to take the 51, you know, like 61 everywhere I went. Like, fuck, I remember looking in the neighborhoods. I remember seeing things that I thought were neat. And I don't think I'll do anything else other than be an advocate that's trying to uplift communities like North Sac or South Sac. And that's just at my core of who, who, who I'm always going to be. And the Cerveza Landia was like an outlet because sometimes the community work, oh, man, it's a thankless job you know it's yeah, a thankless bro. job yeah it's, it's it's sometimes i'm deep in the political part of it too sometimes unfortunately where there's a lot of politics in sacramento and i'm with it though i'm i'm, I'm always down for it but the cerveza landia is a is an outlet for me just to do something that's fun that's still along those lines of how do i support i think beer has an opportunity look at some of the cities some of the best revitalization projects for cities have been breweries Right, places where people can gather, where um, it's not like a fancy strip mall that completely displaces people, right? It um, invites people. Yeah, it invites people. It's usually a small startup or it's a small like... Well, look at in, in this neighborhood, look at Oak Park Brewery. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's a lightning rod. But I remember, but there's been changes. I remember the first... I'm Oak Park, Oak Park. I'm Taco Rico, Oak Park. I'm Page Red Rum when you need it, Oak Park. Um and so when I first came back to Sacramento and went to Oak Park Brewery for the first time, I left because there was a single person of color in there. Thank God they changed. <laughs> Something happened because now I go there and it's like, hell yeah, man, they're doing their thing. It's cool yeah. here. But when I first went, I was concerned. I was like, oh, man, what the hell am I? <laughs> yeah, in like 2000, yeah. maybe 17? Yeah. Somewhere around there? I moved back to Sacramento. I moved back to Sacramento in 2013. And I remember going to Oak Park, I remember going to check it out. And I was like, man, what the heck? Because when I first got here, I, I got to Sacramento in 2015. Okay. And I lived down the street. So when I came by, like, I so I don't know if you know this, but um, I paroled here from prison. Okay. No, I didn't after know doing, yeah. So I, I'm from San Jose originally, but, you know, I'm not going to. East Side San Home? What's that? East Side San Home? Of course. <laughs> yeah, bro. Of course. Yeah. yeah, bro. When I tell people where I live, they go, oh, bro, that's that's all that. I'm like, yeah, bro. Especially in the 90s, you know. It's, yeah. It's yeah. the same thing. Same thing that's going on up here was going on down there. Yeah. And it's going on everywhere in California. But I heard all the stories about Oak Park. Yeah. And 2015, when I got here, it was still Oak Park. You yeah. know what I mean? It was still Oak Park, Oak Park. But they were putting up the arena. Yeah. And everybody's rent was going up in downtown and midtown. 
and everyone was getting displaced. And one of my buddies actually told me this. He goes, hey, you know, the first people that are going to move into the, the neighborhoods, like the bad neighborhoods, are the artists and the punk rockers. Yeah. Those are the first people who are going to move into those really shitty neighborhoods because they're broke and they're open-minded. They don't give a fuck. Yeah. You know? So it's the artists and the punk rockers. They move in. And then little by little, other people start following. You know, my cousin moved in there. He said it's not that bad. <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. And I was like, huh. And then little by little, you know, I lived there until 2017. And I saw, I remember one day I was waiting for my buddy to pick me up for work. And I saw this homeless dude with a like on a bike with a little trailer with recycles yeah. in the back, and then behind him was a dude in a suit on a like on a yeah, fixie, yeah, like riding it to work at at, uh, at UC Davis. And I go, this neighborhood's changing. Just changing. That's yeah, change is inevitable. Yeah, once I, once I saw a white woman with a baby Bjorn walking, and she had a little baby strapped to her, I go, oh dude, this neighborhood's. Neighborhood safe. Yeah, I get I get um excited sometimes. I see people jogging in my neighborhood. Oh shit, we're about to come up. People are jogging in the neighborhood. Bro, yeah, that's no, those are all signs, dude. Uh, like um, I tell my wife that too. Like we we see joggers yeah. in the morning, people walking. You know, I always I'm always quick to like, hey neighbor, hey, yeah. how you doing, neighbor? I don't yeah. you know. I think that's one of the I think one of the best parts about what I do and in, in the headspace that I've always been in is I think we have a real opportunity. To recognize that how displacement happens, and we look at someone like Del Paso, we're really intentional about how we're, how are we part of the come up on Del Paso, but that everybody comes up, or the vast majority of people come up. Well, you're not outsourcing the wealth, yeah, or the prosperity, because it's, it's it's really about prosperity. You want everyone to prosper. And I don't know if it's been I don't know if anyone's been able to do that yet. So it's like, how do we? It's a challenge for myself. It's a challenge for me to be like, even I tell my lady like. That we 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 bought a house directly across the street from affordable housing development, and people were like, "You're crazy!" I'm like, "No, like they they need a place to live too." Like I I used to wait tables in Sacramento. I know what it's like to be, you know, making twenty five thousand a year. Like it's real, but it didn't mean I was less of a person. It didn't mean I didn't contribute to this society or this city at some point. Like I need a place to live too, and so we just kind of doubled down and buying our home right there. And it's like we're, you know, people. I'm okay. I'm okay with them building affordable housing around me. Some people aren't. Yeah, because, look, I lived and I managed the apartments that I used to live at in South Sac over off of 24th and Florin. Mm -hmm. Bro, listen, um, the the people who are on, like, Section 8, yeah, bro, it's like, it's 50-50. You, well, more like 80-20. There's 20% that's, like, doing everything they can to scratch and claw and get the fuck out of there. Yeah. And then there's the 80%. That's just like I'm gonna milk this till the wheels fall, till till they don't give it to me no more. And that's and that that that's like I that's the part that it's a mindset. You know, it's it's a mindset that people have, and they give it to their kids. Yeah, yeah. Waiting for my section eight. Yeah, yeah. Waiting for my section eight, and it's like, dude, you gotta. You got to dream big, man. It's fortunately though there's been some changes. There's been some major changes in overall housing policy in the state. That there's there's a Everyone understands that building something like CV Circle is not going to work, right? Concentrating extremely poor people in one place is not, not going to work. And so this idea of mixed income or income-based, so you have 100-something units, maybe 30% of those units are for extremely low income. The rest of them are for 30, 30 to 60% of the area median income, which is most people, most state workers, uh, most wage workers here in the city. I mean, we're 
We're a sector service employee economy, healthcare, and government. All three of those sectors qualify probably for some sort of affordable housing assistance. So you're right. No one wants 100% Section 8 yeah, housing. And, and, and in fairness, that's necessarily not being built anymore, right? People, there's been changes. Yeah, yeah. now you get the, you get the little... Yeah. The certificate, yeah, and, you, and it's you go all take it. over. You can take yeah. it everywhere, anywhere, now. So anywhere. Now it's like you can and, get someone down the street, and it's a double-edged sword. You, like, mm-hmm. I, well, I, you know, when I was the manager, there was some people who we rented to, and they were on for however long, and then they moved out. Some of those people like ended up buying houses, yeah. bro. Yeah. And then there's some people who, dude, during COVID, there was this couple, bro. Look, they paid out of pocket. It was a lesbian couple. Yeah, they paid out of pocket for in vitro. All right, so one of them got like the other one's egg. Yeah, got it fertilized, put inside of her. Right, she's growing a baby. The other one is sitting on the stoop, just rolling like designer weed all day. Doesn't go to work. This is during COVID, dude. They're making money from the designer weed, bro. Look, they drive like a fucking souped up 5.0, like this whole thing in the hood, bro. In the hood, right? And it it turns out like their the way their contract was set up. Yeah. Like they only had to pay two hundred dollars a month rent, and Section Eight covered the rest. And they ended up getting evicted and losing their Section Eight because they would not pay the two hundred bucks. Damn! And it was everybody else's fault. Because I, I stopped being the manager. I actually signed their paperwork. I signed them up yeah. and got it. And then I was gone like two months later. So the new manager came on and goes, "Hey, dude, they're not paying the rent, dude. They pay two hundred a month." And then and they're and he's they're like yelling at him like it's his fault. And he's like, bro, what? Like, you're high right now. I just want to pay two. I just want to pay 30% of my (laughs) income on that. That's it. Bro. That's my goal. No more than 30%. But but it's a a mindset, bro. It's a mindset. Like I said, the other people, like I said, they they were on housing, Section 8, and they left and bought a house, dude. They're homeowners now. So it's just like the the thing is like, how do you get like eight-year-olds to believe. You know what I mean? How do you get eight-year-olds to believe? Because that's that's like the age where you start thinking about who I'm going to be. Like, how do I figure out who I am? Yeah. That's self-awareness. And and that's that's the that's always the hardest thing. Like, I got a five-year-old and like, he's he's a wild man. He's yeah. not thinking about who he's going to be when he grows up. But when, when he does, I'm going to tell him like, hey, dude, you got to dream big. You got to dream bigger. Yeah. Like cool. what, however big you got to dream bigger, man, and it, and you got to be willing to fight, and that's what I see with you. Yeah. Like all your all your things, it's all struggle. Like you're going down there to SoCal, you're struggling to get down there, dude. Like whether you're driving, yeah. whether you're flying, I don't know how it is, but that's a long fucking drive. Yeah, six hours. And you're meeting these strangers, and you're you're like connecting with them, and you're and you're struggling for this thing. You're a boxer. You're a community activist. These are all fights. These are all challenges that you're taking on, bro. And it's somehow, somewhere along the way, like you got it in your head that you got to fight. You're telling the kids, don't eat the grapes, <laughs> bro. Yeah. yeah like somehow, yeah. some way you got it in your head and it's just, it's never left. Like that's like, that's who you are. Somehow, some way that became you. Yeah. And I think you doing that is going to spark that in other people. I definitely hope so. I mean, but I also, to a certain extent, like, recognize that that this is going to sound 
I'm an above average person. I've always been an above average person. I feel um, you, bro. Um, and that doesn't mean that I'm better than anyone, but I just, I have just a different mindset. And not every has this mindset. Not every can do it. And you know, um, and I think that's okay. And I, you know, I tell people like, it, my son just had his first boxing match this past Saturday. With, nice, right? And we've changed six months. And I told him two things are going to happen. You're going to forget everything that we worked on, and you're going to be more tired than you ever have in your life. But when we're training, it's like you need to know, like, you need to be tired in this gym. You need to put in the work because when you're tired in the gym, you'd rather be tired in the gym than you are in that fight. Because the worst thing that can happen is round three come up and you're gassed out. And you got to go with this fool for three, two more minutes. You get to that point, you're in trouble. And that's what happened. He trained. He trained hard. He didn't train hard enough. So we're going to fight. We're gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to test you. I'm going to see where you are. He fought his ass off. Fought his ass off for one round, one and a half round, but the third round he was gassed out. And so I have this conversation with him, like, look, son, like, um, it's up to you now. What kind of young man are you? I've showed you what it takes to do this. And if you can't do it, that's okay. That's okay because you're not like me. You don't got to be like me. You know, I was I was a beast training. And now you get a sample of what it takes to do something at that level. You decide not to. That's fine. How can I support you in whatever? Because I don't think everybody can be. I don't believe in mediocrity, but I also don't think that we know everyone. If someone just wants to go to work Monday, Friday, and be with their kids, like God bless them. You know what I mean? That's that's fine. If someone wants to work the nine to five and do that and retire, God, God bless. Them. God bless them. God bless them. And there's only, I mean, I look at my life, and my life's wild, man. I'm never home for dinner by six. I don't think I ever will be. I don't have that lifestyle. My relationships suffer from it. I mean, I got so many problems because of the, I'm, I'm, I, I work. I work, just wired I work too much. I'm, I'm working every day. I'm, I'm always working. And I'm always hitting something. So, you know? Yeah. Well, not bro, the people, but I'm always, <laughs> I'm not always, the people. I'm always hitting something. Well, so, bro, that's like, but that's, that's honorable shit, man. And, yeah. and it, it drives other people too. Like when, so. when people see you grinding like that, like it makes them think like, man, I should be grinding like that. Yeah, it come. I mean, it comes from trauma, man. Like I need to talk about it. Like it comes from, tra- you know, childhood trauma. Like being poor, like not wanting to be poor, not wanting. You know, I want to eat nice stuff. I don't want to ever have to put my kids in a situation, or I just, I just don't want to struggle. Bro, my kids never look. <laughs> my kids never look in the refrigerator to yeah. see nothing. Yeah, it doesn't happen, bro. Yeah. There's always something. They go, Honestly. I don't want that. Yeah, like, oh, you don't want that. Like, dude, when I was a kid, that's all that's there all was, was, was yeah. shit you didn't want to eat. My kids were there, like, six cereals on the refrigerator, and they're like, we don't want nothing. You know? like, Get the hell out of here. But, yeah, but that's but that's it. That's, um, like I said, I've all, it was at one point in my life, like I said, the, the amateur boxing is what propelled me. That's like I, I tell people, like, I became somebody through boxing, or, like, before I'm just a marginalized kid and no real direction. But in the boxing gym, the Capital Boxing Gym on Stockton Boulevard, that's where people really started gravitating and noticing me, like, oh, Savala, that's Trino's grandson, and like, oh, he's he's he just went to nationals, or he, you know, he just fought, and people show up and watch me train. My ego starts to develop, you know, young man with an ego, it's a healthy thing, and I start to go, all right, man, I'm the man, I'm the man, you know, I'm I'm gonna fight here, and then once you have that, it's like, how do you go back? How do you go yeah. back to not being a man? You're you're, you're not, but that's I, I think that that's just evidence of who you already were 
Yeah. You know what I mean? I think I think that's more the point. Like that's already who you were. This just was the manifestation yeah. of of who you were. And now you're carrying that on in a different way. Because everything you told me, like I'm 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 thinking it and you know, I, I had it written down that, you know, I was gonna ask you about your boxing. But as you started talking, I'm like, oh, I don't have yeah. to bring it up because yeah. he's already if you didn't bring up that you were a boxer, I was gonna yeah, link it yeah. all together. But it's so it's so integral to your story because of everything. you're you're always you're always pushing, you're always fighting, you're always struggling. Everything that I've always did, man. I tell people, and boxing is a really good thing to talk about because I tell people it's like the highest of my highs and the lowest of the lows. Where boxing has took me some high places, some of the best feelings I've ever had, but it's also took me like to some dark, like fuck, like this is this is bad, like not 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 bad, like I want to hurt myself, or hurt someone, but just you know, a sense of loneliness and not having it, you know, coaches and just failure, losing. It's just those dark places that you don't want to be, but you, you got to go there. You know, you got to be there someday and you got to be able to pick yourself back up. And the healthiest thing you can hear is, you know, you've been here before, right? You fell down once or you lost once. You're coming back to the gym, overweight, you're working out. And it's, um, I think I, I posted something a while back on, on my Instagram story where you go back to that point where I remember, the easiest thing here is like, dude, you've been here before. This is, you, you've been you've been down. You know, it ain't nothing. You, you'll come back up. And once you get to that point, it's very, um, it's like a healing quality to it. Like, it can't nothing stop me really. Because if I even if I get knocked down today, like, shit, I've been here. I'll I'll get it back right. I'll come back up. I'll figure out a way. So hell yeah, dude. and that's just how I I guess that's how I approach my life. I approach life. Approach my work approach like this outlet that I have sort of as a as a way to give back and build something. Maybe it'll finally allow me to, uh, a way to get away from community work for a while and focus on it's just going to, it's going to steep you further in it, bro. That's, yeah. that's who you are. It's so sort of so when I, when I build a, 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 um, a tap room, I promise you it's going to be a redevelopment project as well. <laughs> I promise you, I'm going to have you back on the podcast. Yeah. I, I promise, bro. Yeah. So listen, it's, it's getting kind of late. I got to get back to my, get to my kids and stuff, but listen, bro, I, I, I ask everybody this question, right? Let's just say you go on a beer run, okay. right? You're going to go pick up some beer, but you don't come back, bro. We don't know what happened to you. Yeah. We don't know if you just stayed in Mexico and you became a brewer and yeah. you, you got this whole new life. We don't know. We don't, we yeah. don't know. All that's left is what you've left behind. Yeah. Your legacy. What do you hope your legacy yeah. is? My children, my kids, you know, living a good life, doing giving back. And my kids, my son, my daughter, my two little boys, that they are respected in the community and they do good work. That's it. That's beautiful, brother. Yeah. Well, well, thank you, bro. <laughs> hey, I'm serious. Um, I want to have you back on. And when you get that, when you get that tap house, because I have no doubt. Come when up. you get that tap house, bro, let's let's link up and we'll we'll we'll, we'll get together soon. All right. We'll get together soon. Cause I still got to sign that painting. You do, you do. Yeah, it's hanging up in my sure. house now. Well, as always, this podcast is brought to you by We Are Sacramento. 